My sisters and brothers, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? After that, they got into the boat. The wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very strange story. It's really kind of unbelievable. Oh, I don't mean about the walking on the water part. That's strange, but hey, it could happen. The part that I don't get, the part that's hard to grasp and understand, is this dialogue that goes on between Simon Peter and Jesus. Much of it initiated by Simon Peter, and he's the one I'm not finding very credible. He's actually acting a little bit delusional in, in this story. The disciples are in a boat. The storm comes up. It's a bad storm, despite the fact that they've been on that lake their whole lives. They are scared. Understandably so. Adding to their fear is they have a, a vision. Perhaps a hallucination, they think. But they see what they are sure is a ghost. And they're even more terrified. How bad can it get? The lake is about to consume us and our boat. And now there's a ghost coming towards us on the water. And they cry out in fear. All typical human normal reactions. That's what you do when you're in a storm in the middle of a lake and you see a ghost coming for you. You cry out in fear. But the ghost speaks to them which is usually not a good sign in ghost stories. The ghost speaks, trying to convince them not to be afraid because in fact it is Jesus himself. He simply tells them not to be afraid. He gives them no directions. He doesn't say anything like, I'll be right over, just hang on. He just calls forth courage and trust. 
which is just what you need when you're in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a lake, and there's a ghost coming towards you. Nothing like someone asking you for courage and trust instead of rescue. And then Simon Peter gets into the act. If it is really you, now he's talking to the ghost. That's usually not a good thing either. Unless you're going to tell the ghost to go away and leave us alone. But Simon Peter talks to the ghost and says the strangest thing. If that is really you, command me to walk on the water towards you. He's testing Jesus for sure. He's testing himself, perhaps, but mostly he's testing Jesus. Can I believe my eyes and my ears? Because none of it makes sense. It's a ghost walking on the water who's telling me not to be afraid. I need some reassurance. Okay. But why don't you just say, can you prove it to me? Can you show me? Can you give me truth? But no, he says, command me to walk on the water towards you. It's quite a test for Jesus and for Peter. And then the response of Jesus is the one I find very disturbing. Come. It's not that he's calling Simon Peter's bluff. He's evoking great faith. But quite frankly, I would prefer my Savior to say, hey, when I'm crying, trapped in a boat, in a storm at sea, scared out of my wits, not to tell me to come, but to stay right where I am. And tell me with assurance, I'll be right there to help you. But no, Jesus says to Peter, come. And whether it was Peter's own sense of trying to save face after he asked for a ridiculous sign, or he actually has some faith, he decides to follow the command that he asked for and begins to walk on the water toward Jesus until he realizes how foolish this is that he begins to sink and then cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus does. It's a very strange and incredible story unless it is indeed a template for what it means to be a disciple and to respond to the presence of Jesus in the midst of the storms of our lives. And maybe then it's not so strange at all. Certainly this summer we've been no stranger to storms and they have been horrific in too many places and done too much damage. They matter, but so do all the other storms that have nothing to do with the weather outside. Everyone's life is filled with storms, and sometimes they're more terrifying than others. Stormy challenges come our way, and we don't usually ask for them. We face illness ourselves, or we face the illness of those we love, both physical and mental illness. And it might be more comforting to be in the middle of a, a lake in a boat that's tossed by waves. We face all kinds of uncertainty. Economic uncertainty, relational uncertainty. We have to deal with the unpredictable and difficult choices that young people make, that old people make, that middle-aged people make. There are storms all around us. There are political storms. There are social storms. There are cultural storms. 
we are indeed being tossed about pretty violently pretty much all the time. And we are invited, as the disciples in the boat were in the midst of our storms, to look for the presence of Jesus, who is there but may appear like a ghost because we can't really discern him all that clearly. We are invited to hear his voice tell us to have courage and not be afraid. And yet what we want for, for Jesus to make the storm go away. And we, like Peter, just might need, it might be a good idea to test whether what we're hearing and seeing is indeed the Lord and not something else that we should not trust. Like Elijah in the first reading, who somehow was able to discern that the presence of God was not in the fire or the earthquake or the wind, all of which could fool us into trusting them. And they will take us to our peril. But that indeed the presence of God takes a great deal of discernment in the form of a tiny whispering sound or a ghost on the lake. And we test it. And we listen. And we hear if indeed we have found the presence of Jesus in the midst of our storm. His invitation not to stay right where we are so he can rescue us but to gather up our courage, gather up our faith, gather up our trust in him and walk right into the middle of whatever storms life has brought us. And without a doubt, and this is actually a good thing, believe it or not, when we do that, when we step into the storms of our lives, we will sink. And then indeed we are to call out for help. Why that's a good thing is because if we think we have to endure the storms of our lives on our own power, we will fail. If we listen to winds and fires and earthquakes instead of the tiny whispering sound of the voice of Jesus calling us to come, we will be buffeted and broken. If when we sink, we let ourselves sink instead of asking for help, we'll drown. But we will sink and we need the help and we will get the help. And so what starts out as a very strange story is something that happens to us every day, to all of us. And it is an invitation to act as strangely as Simon Peter did. Whenever we encounter a storm in our city, to discern the presence of Jesus in the midst of it to test and make sure that it is indeed Jesus and not some other force taking us away. To trust and to step out into the storm, to sink and to cry for help and to receive it. That is what a life of faith and the life of discipleship in the midst of a life full of storms looks like.